Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Zach Howes, back again. So excited to have Zach back. We are here to do our next installment of the Wait You Haven't Seen series. The first time around, we watched The Truman Show and did our reactions to that. And this time around, seeing as it is spooky season, we are going to do a horror movie this time around. And the horror movie we chose is the original 1979 version of the Amityville Horror. Zach, you got something to drink over there? Are you too hungover to drink? (laughs) I do. I have uh, Tommy Knocker is the brewery. It's called Tundra Berry. It's like a raspberry type beer. Uh, I don't, this might go down very slowly though. Yes, I'm quite hungover for this. So we'll see. Uh, this might be a beer that lasts the entire podcast. Nice. What's your, what's your version of a connection with this beer? Do you have one? I guess actually this wasn't done on purpose, but Tommy knockers from what I understand were like little like trolls or I don't know what they were, but they used to inhabit old mines back in the day. So that's where this brewery got its name. It, in a sense, it has that horror vibe because these guys, like, I, I don't know, they used to, like, mess with miners, steal their stuff, I think even kill them from time to time. So there you go. We got a little horror element. I like it. And I'm going to be drinking Oat Bituary from Northway Brewing Company. It is an oatmeal stout brewed with Death Wish coffee. So not only do we have the obituary connection, we also have a death with death wish connection, which is very horror-esque, I'd say. That sounds like a dangerous beer. Brewed with death wish coffee, that stuff is powerful. For sure. And I think it's it's only 5.2%, which is good. Some might say if you're going to move into a haunted house, you might have a death wish. So I think this is I think this is at <laughs> I think it is, too. It'll definitely get the heart racing with all that caffeine in it, too. (laughs) For sure. Anyway, let's get this started. So, Zach, before we get into this movie and we go on to watch it, where I want to start is what's your general stance on horror movies? I know you're not the biggest fan, so just talk about your relationship with horror movies for a quick second. Yeah, definitely. So, you're right. Not the biggest horror fan. Mostly, not bec- it's not because I dislike the movies or think they're bad or anything. I just generally don't like being uncomfortable for two hours. <laughs> so I tend not to watch horror movies that often because they they scare me. I'm not I'm not saying I'm brave. Like they creep me out. <laughs> so yeah, I tend not to watch them. But of course, around this time of year, you've got to. Um, and one thing, uh, the reason why this is a good movie for me to watch personally, is that I tend to be far more afraid of the movies where it's that the thing that scares you is supernatural, right? Like slashers don't scare me as much because in the back of my mind my thought has always been well just run away just fucking run away or get in the car go somewhere else so the supernatural stuff creeps me out because there is no running away there's no fighting this entity right like the demon's gonna fuck you up no matter what you do so uh, i am excited to watch this because of that yeah i mean i've always said that i actually quite like feeling that way because i just don't feel that way often so it's just kind of 
a nice exercise. I also really appreciate the craft that goes into horror movies. I think that the way the camera moves to get you to get scared and the way they use score to like make you feel uncomfortable. I've always appreciated those things about horror movies. So I watched them both for the feeling and for the craft of it. And, you know, Zach, we chose the Amityville horror partly because you had just recently watched the conjuring and the Warrens reference the Amityville horror. I I think the movie ends with them saying there's a case in long Island referencing the Amityville horror. So, you know, with the Amityville horror and kind of linking it to the conjuring, what are you looking forward to or what are you looking for as we go into this movie? A couple of things really. So yeah, definitely having that connection to the conjuring um, is interesting to me. I do like the fact that there is some truth or probably a lot of truth um, to this movie. So I, I yeah, I, I don't know the entire story, but I do believe this happened or whatever happened in this movie happened in some sense right like there's it's got some true it's based on a true story a little bit at least so that adds an element of freakiness for sure and then uh oh well the other thing the other thing uh that's interesting about this to me is you and i talked about it so i don't know that old horror movies scare me that much anymore because my brain has gotten so fucked up by the internet like i've seen horrible things on the internet so Older movies, I don't think creep me out as much as they may have otherwise. So I'll be interested to see if this really scares me. When I watch old horror movies, I very rarely feel scared, but I often feel uncomfortable. You know, I recently watched The Wicker Man, the original one, and I also recently watched the original Last House on the Left. And I really enjoyed both of those. I wasn't ever scared. But there was a lot of interesting stuff going on and just a very a very disquieted feeling about the whole movie. So that's what I'm kind of looking for here. I'm also looking, because this movie was really the birth of the Haunted House movie, which we see so often in horror movies these days with The Conjuring, like we mentioned, with stuff like Insidious and a lot of these kind of 2010s horror movie play on this idea of a haunted house. So... Seeing as this kind of invented it, I'm really excited to see kind of how they lay the blueprint or what things were borrowed from this kind of original template. Yeah, I'm with you there on that, actually. That's a good point. Um, One thing I, I will look for when I watch this movie is how much of this movie I can... Um, I can I can relate to or, or I've seen in more modern movies. I'm a big comedy fan, and the way you know classic comedies play out like take animal house for instance right the first time i saw that i remember not finding it as funny because all those types of jokes that they make in animal house i had seen in a dozen comedies that came after it now i've come to appreciate animal house because it's a great movie but i i am interested to see if in this movie i might recognize i don't know a certain style that i've seen in a ton of other, other more modern haunted house movies i'm guessing i probably will but it'll be interesting to compare for sure. And you know, the other thing that I just want to talk about briefly is you mentioned this idea of it being a true story. And this is just something in horror movies that I, I noticed often. They just attach these things to the front of the movie because it adds to the kind of realism of it and gets the audience more scared because it's like, Oh, this could really happen. 
But so often I feel like these things, they're just like, it's like 10% of this happened. <laughs> There's like this one <laughs> right. inciting event and then they just run with it. So I'm interested to see, because I know a little <laughs> bit about the original case. So I'm interested to see how kind of well this it turns out that in Amityville, the wind blew a door open once, and that's all that happened. <laughs> so it turned, a movie, it turned it into a movie. I do know that the guy, James DeFeo, I think his name is, he killed his family. That is a real thing. That is the kind of inciting event. Now, whether he was actually possessed by demons or just went crazy... You know, that's up for <laughs> up for debate and truly up yeah. for what you believe. Like, I don't believe in that shit. So, like, he, he just went nuts. But I'm interested to see the movie and how they kind of handle it. It is funny you say, you bring that up because you're right. So many horror movies start off with based on a true story, which is such such bullshit. I, I actually would be interested. I You know, I don't really believe in haunting or any or ghosts or stuff like that, but I do find these types of stories fascinating where you have like a real life uh, event that freaks people the fuck out and, you know, an exorcist actually shows up or something like that. It It is fascinating because I would love to know what, obviously love to know what's truly going on. But at the same time, yeah, it's like trying to psychoanalyze people who go through these things. One, you know, it's probably not ghosts. So what's wrong with them mentally? That almost is e more eerie into, unto itself. The fact that people have these psychiatric breaks that cause them to go nuts. For sure. And I think that is the key word, like fascination and morbid curiosity is what I have about these things, even though I don't I don't believe in demons. I don't believe in any of that. But like I still enjoy watching these things because there's such a, a fascination to it and like wanting to know what is going on here. And. You know, the other part of it is just suspending your disbelief and being like, all right, take me for the ride. I'm in. Let's do it. So then the other thing specific to the movie, I haven't looked up. You might know this already, but like, are there any big actors in this? This is how clueless I am about the movie. Like, did this kickstart anybody's career? Is there anybody I'm going to recognize from 1979? The only person that I saw in the IMDb credits and I didn't I didn't look hard but I saw like a quick glimpse of the movie poster and Margot Kidder is in it. You know who that is? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Lois, the, Lane, uh, right? Lois Lane from su the original Superman series. So yeah. I know she's in this. Um, I don't know much beyond that just because I didn't look into it. I kind of wanted to go into it fresh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really don't know much other than that. This is about a haunted house and it's one of the original like famous horror movies. That's pretty much, I mean, that's pretty much it. I, yeah, so I'm so I'm excited because obviously I don't know what to expect really, except for I I did watch the shitty Ryan Reynolds version of this from 2005, so I have a vague idea of what to expect. I kind of half watched it because it was so bad that I was just like, oh fucking this shit, <laughs> this is awful. And I love Ryan Reynolds is is like a top three favorite actor of mine. I think we've talked about it in the past too on other pods, but like. That movie was that movie was not good. So, Trash. so uh, bad. we'll see how this one. Yeah, so let's do this thing. We are going to go off and watch this movie, and then we will be back in about ten seconds on this podcast, but in about an hour and a half in real life after we watch this movie. Awesome! I'm looking forward to it. Nothing in this can be scarier than what the football team is doing today. So let's get let's go. <laughs> Thank you.
right, so we are back. We just got done watching the Amityville Horror, our spooky movie that we chose that I would say varying degrees of success in the spooky department. Um, but Zach, what are your overall feelings and reactions to this movie? Did you enjoy it? Did you hate it? Were you scared at all? What are you thinking? <laughs> so um, I think my chief descriptor would be vindication. I was vindicated. <laughs> my opinions about how I would feel about this movie were proven to be exactly true. Um, so by that, I mean, I did enjoy it. it. I enjoyed the movie. It was good. It was like a fun horror movie, right? It was not scary in the least to me, like not even remotely scary. And I, I truly do believe like one, the internet has fucked up my brain. So stuff like that, like older movies aren't going to scare me. Two, more modern movies, which I've seen obviously more recently, or I've seen first, have probably also ruined it for me too, because everything they did in this movie, I've seen done better in a modern horror movie. That's not the fault of this movie. It's kind of like I mentioned with Animal House, like Amityville Horror probably did it first. It's just that my first time seeing it was like in much scarier, grander fashion in pick your favorite modern horror movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I felt the same way. I did enjoy the movie, and I really did like it, but ultimately it felt like more of like a history lesson. Yeah. Kind of like, let's look at this artifact of horror movies and like this template, but then I'm also left feeling like, well, The Conjuring honestly did it better. It, do right. it doesn't exist without this movie. Like, this movie p provides like a perfect template for that, but if I'm going to go back and watch a horror movie, I'm just, I'm going to choose the conjuring. Like I, I just think it's a better movie. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, it's, it's not the fault of Amityville horror, like modern movie making makes it a lot easier to have special effects oh, that yeah. scare the shit out of you or whatever it may be. Um, plus like the conjuring could take the best parts of Amityville horror, improve upon them and then add and bolt on more things. So it has that advantage too. This was good. I It was actually, it reminded me of The Shining in the sense that the first time I watched The Shining, I also, I knew I was watching a monumental piece of filmmaking, but also, but it didn't really scare me that badly because it was a pretty old movie. Some of the effects are a little hokey by today's standards. So that was actually something I also thought of or compared it to. Like, this is The Shining. I understand its importance, but at the same time, not really that scared right now. And honestly, surprisingly, there were a lot of elements of The Shining in this movie, and it came out a year before, like the axe coming through the bathroom door. That's one of the most iconic scenes from The Shining, and, and it exists here. You have the dad having cabin fever and losing his fucking shit. Like, mm -hmm. it's it's really kind of remarkable. I didn't I didn't expect that, but I, I also got major Shining vibes, and then I was surprised, like, The Shining is better, and I do genuinely get creeped out by the shining but i also like came into that movie at perhaps too young i watched it at like age 11 and it fucked me up so <laughs> um you know that that's just <laughs> perhaps yeah. bad parenting but I, I was i was very surprised in in seeing those kind of crossovers between the two movies and actually uh, another interesting crossover too i didn't realize they were they were made so closely together but while yes, you do see some ghosts in The Shining, 
like the predominant ghost that fucks up everything in The Shining is not seen throughout the movie. Like you don't see what physically infects Jack Nicholson in that movie. Same deal here. Like you don't ever see the ghost. So you don't really like you. I mean, I guess you get the like the eyes at one point, but you don't really see what the hell is messing with them. So uh, I imagine that's probably a similar trope that these movies came up with. Again, done better in more modern movies, but you can see the template here for the first time. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was cool. I mean, I did like it. No, and I think that was one of the things that stuck out to me was like, it's very interesting to watch in a different way because, you know, you're using your modern movie brain and everything that you know and kind of watching it through that lens makes it super interesting. So, you know, I, I want to talk about some of the things that we really liked about the movie. I had a couple scenes where I genuinely actually did feel were very well done and were kind of unsettling. I mm-hmm. thought the the way that they shot the introduction with the shotgun murders and you just see it through the windows and you're kind of like peeled back from the house. I thought that was very, very well done. So uh, that's funny you say that because I have written down uh, as my third bullet point, showing the murders as they tore the house. Um, it that could... I did not like. That was like super bizarre, I felt. So, like. so, oh, then actually I'm confused. What part are you talking about? Because I actually wrote down that part where it's interplayed as they're touring the house. I thought it was a little corny, but I understood what they were going for. What part are you talking about? The very opening where it just shows the house and the shotgun blasts are like lighting up the windows and they're oh, going in different that. windows. I oh. missed that entirely. The funny thing is I also have a note about that that opening credits or opening scene too, but I did not notice that they were showing that while they were doing it. I was too distracted, and this is my note, by the fact that uh, here's horror trope number one that this movie might have invented. The seemingly innocent kid's song being sung to a creep sung to a creepy effect in a horror movie yeah no and i i i also noted that like the score to this movie is kind of brilliant yes and one of the things that they do is they include like children's laughter and children's voices in the score which just kind of adds to that unsettling effect and it comes Mm -hmm. in like right with that opening and i thought that was very very well done the score especially yeah no the score was great and i i think Actually, the score might have been, well, aside from Margot Kiddo, or Margot Kidder, uh, the score might have been my favorite part of this movie. Um, I think, I thought it was really well done. Uh, you could, again, see where uh, modern movies have have stolen from this one to great effect or great effectiveness. I also, I also just thought in general, this is my second, beautiful house. Just phenomenally beautiful house. Yeah, it's a really and nice house. I, I almost wonder, now granted we did note this, you know, is kind of based on a real story, but I wonder how nice the house that this is based on was supposed to be because I was thinking, are they purposely making it a really beautiful house such that, or so that it's hiding something horrible on the inside? Like, you know, does that add to the overall creepiness? This this magnificent property and house actually has some horrible deep uh, hidden secret inside. I definitely think that's an excellent point, and I think that was certainly a purposeful choice, but I also do know, because I I looked this up, I looked up the address of the original house, and I was looking at pictures of the original, they're very close, like, in terms of from the outside, I I didn't see anything with the inside, but the outside was very close, and, like, 
those creepy windows at the top that look like disfigured eyes. Yes. Those existed on that original house. And actually, the, the new owners, they took them away because they were like, this is too creepy to be on the house. And they replaced them with like regular windows. I did. I did love this movie making those two eyes highlighted red or lit up red, like towards the end of the movie. I like really smashing me over the head with symbolism there, but I've loved it. <laughs> no, same. And you know, that that's another thing that I really liked about this movie and something that I wanted to talk about. There's this kind of motif throughout of these kind of floating disfigured eyes. You get it with the house because of those kind of like half, I don't even know how to describe them. It's like a piece of a pie chart. Almost like a half moon or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so those like resemble eyes. Margot Kidder gets the shit scared out of her when she sees these kind of disfigured floating eyes. And then there's a couple other scenes where like you see a car driving up, but all you can see is the headlights. So they look like just two kind of eyes. So there's this kind of visual motif with that going on throughout that I, I found really interesting and I thought was quite good. Yeah, I, I, again, I keep coming back to like it laid the groundwork. There are things here that work really well, and I understand why this movie's been such an influence on other horror movies. I'm trying to think of what else was like that. Oh, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to step all over some of uh, the things we're going to talk about, but I might as well jump into it. Like other things that this movie I think laid the foundation for that other horror movies have have taken from. So like there was that right. Also, the dog knowing that something's up within the haunted house. Yep. A, a plus. The dog always knows. And fortunately, this dog survived. I'm in- so happy they went back for the dog in this fucking movie. Like, that was the part that upset me the most in The Conjuring. Like, Sadie knows what's up in The Conjuring. And she's sitting there and she's like, no, I'm not going in that fucking house. Fuck you. There's no, there's just no way. And then she ends up dead. And I'm like, the dog? Come on. It didn't do anything. It's just rude. So these so movies, rude. These ghosts are a little more polite than modern day ghosts. They spared the dog, but I do I do love that trope, and it just I don't know brought me it brought me sincere joy when early on in the movie the dog is freaking out because it knows something's haunted, and you're like, you guys, James Brolin, listen to the dog, <laughs> listen to the dog, please. And the cat knew too. The yes. cat that shows up like outside Margot Kidder's window, and actually that was one of like the jump scares that got me. When it started hissing, I was like, holy shit. I jumped backwards in that scene. I was like, oh, man. That, I think that was the only time, there are one of the few times where, yeah, my heart did race and I did jump because <laughs> I was not expecting that dumbass cat to do that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next one that I have is the slow zoom in on the clock, and it's always at the same time. Oh, so really good one. I'm glad you mentioned it because same same idea did this movie also invent 3 a.m. being like the devil's hour? It's always 3 a.m. It's always 3 a.m. It's always in that time range, and it's always 3.15. As soon as it happens, some creepy shit starts going on. I I mean, I stay up to 3 a.m. often, and nothing bad ever happens. It's fine. Oh, I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I think the first time I ever heard of like the 3 a.m. being the devil's hour was The Exorcism of Emily Rose. For a solid year after that, it creeped me the fuck out if I was if I was awake at 3 a.m. Like, I would be on edge. I need to go to sleep right now. This is the devil's <laughs> hour. This is where shit goes to work. Exactly. And then I think uh, Lafayette College probably put that fear to rest when we were up until... Remember, Zach, nothing good ever happens after 2 a.m. Just go to sleep. <laughs> you know what? 
Coach Bond was right. <laughs> Nothing good ever. Did. <laughs> that that is the one thing that he was ever right about. <laughs> What's uh, your next one? What else you got? Um. So what? Oh, I don't know if you're gonna pick this one, so I'm gonna pick it. Go um, flies signifying some sort of decay or demonic presence. That like that is used everywhere now, and I wonder. I, I'm guessing. Was it in The Shining? Because I feel like this might have been the first movie to do that, or one of the first. I'm not sure about whether The Shining did it, but I definitely noticed that trope. And I think one of the most unsettling things is when it zoomed really close in on the flies and their eyeballs and the red eyes. Again, the eye thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I was so creeped out when they were doing that. I was like, no, no, this is not for me. Please don't. So then, uh, so actually, to yeah, to piggyback off of that, also, the house whispering "Get out!" Like I've I've inherently known "Get out" from probably from cartoons or whatever, probably from something spoofing this movie, really. So it was cool to see that actual "Get out" in this movie because I swear, like that is a trope that I knew of in the back of my mind, but I I couldn't have told you where it was from. Yeah, the house kind of groaning and the general house sounds was definitely something that was very prominent in that in this movie and the house kind of speaking to you and warning you throughout and you not getting the fucking message right 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 right. well so speaking of not getting the message how is it this is a nitpick and I'll, i'll save most of my nitpicks for later but this one how how is it that margot kidder and james brolin were the only two who didn't get the fucking message Every other person who walked in that house was like, nope, don't like this house. I'm out of here, except them. But to be clear, none of them ever like laid it out except his co-worker's wife. Yeah. But she was like more curious about the whole thing. But then her voice shifted and she was like speaking via the priest. And I was like, dude, now's the time. Now's the time to leave. Let's let's fucking go. So that was a, that was a weird subplot, and one of my few com, my few like serious complaints is the plot is a little jumpy, and like some stuff comes out of nowhere. So like yeah, the coworker's wife being a like borderline psychic or clairvoyant or something, that was really weird. But her actually great acting on her part. Her face when oh they when it zooms in wall, and it cl- yeah really good yeah that was that was creepy actually her and and very well done on her part. So I have two more that I really noticed and wanted to bring up. The first one is the babysitter showing up and the demon fucking with the babysitter. Oh, that like, yeah. really hard. And Very when she point. was trapped in the closet, like I was like, damn, yeah, damn. So here's so here's what a here's what a modern movie would have done, which is so much more fucked up than what Amityville Horror actually did. I guarantee you, if that happens in Amityville Horror that comes out in 2021, that poor babysitter's braces get peeled off her teeth. That oh, yeah. I was expecting. I was sitting there waiting for that to happen, and thank God it didn't. Oh, and the if this was like torture porn era Amityville Horror, the teeth come out of the head, and oh, it's like God. all this shit. Please don't. I, I like this better. I'm not kidding. I was sitting there waiting for it to happen. Like, oh, this is going to get so gross. Those braces are are a sure red herring. Thank God it didn't happen. (laughs) I also didn't understand the headset. It just seemed like they were really just like messing with this babysitter for zero reason. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why she had to have a headset. 
Exactly. Why are you hiring the actress with this monstrous headset <laughs> braces when nothing happens with him? And it doesn't really signify that she's young. Like, I get it. She's a babysitter, so she has to be young. You don't have to give her fucked up teeth. No, I, I don't understand what that was about, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the last one that I have is the upside down cross on the wall. Yes, thank you. Thank and you. In The Conjuring, it's much more effective because they have the means to, like, show it turning around very slowly. Yep. And I love that, and I think it's one of the more effective scenes in the movie, but this one has it. It's like, here's when you know the demons mean business is when you see the upside-down cross on the wall. That's when you should get out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, on the same on the same line, I just had written down... Um, in the general use of priests and the Catholic church to like try to solve for this problem. Now that'll bring me to one of my complaints is that the, like the B plot of this with the priests was a little bit overdone. Like I didn't need that much backstory on what's going on with the priests, but it is like modern movie trope for sure. Have the priests come in and try to solve this or exercise this demonic presence. For sure. And I, I agree with you. I mean, that was honestly my only like problem with the movie, I felt like it was 25 minutes too long. And mostly it was because of these kind of silly B plots. Like, and it's not like anything with the priest went anywhere. So right. why, why did we even include it? And like, apparently in real life, the priest wasn't really involved at all. Like he just spoke to him over the phone and maybe went there once. So I don't know what that added to the movie except to make it longer and honestly, just not really add anything. So I was just like, let's just stick with this family and focus on that. That's the best part of this movie. It muddied, it, it muddied the plot for me, too, because I found myself sitting there thinking, like, wait a minute. Why why did she call this priest right away in the first place? Like, why do, is Margot Kiddo, like, so, <coughs> kid, uh, I keep calling her Kiddo, Kidder. Is she so religious she has to call her priest the second she moves into a new house? Like, why why were they involved in the first place because and this is what i wrote down too the haunting like the actual haunting of it doesn't happen until a month in so like they're in the house for a while why is this priest getting involved obviously he has to stay involved after he notices that the house is fucked up but from a plot standpoint that wasn't really explained very great or very well and then it just continued for seemingly no reason yeah i agree and i think I think we are meant to understand that Margot Kidder is a very religious person. You know, I don't think they show it explicitly, but like when they're first unpacking and she's got the pigtails on, which great look, um, <laughs> she's got a cross on her neck. That's very obvious and apparent. And like her aunt comes over and her aunt is a nun. So I think we're meant to understand that she comes from like a very religious background and she is very religious. So that is there, I guess, but ultimately that that didn't add anything for me. It actually took away from the movie. No, I'm right there with you. The the ant like mini scene or subplot was also really weird because she shows up for all of 30 seconds, gets the spins and has to leave and then pukes outside of her car, which, by the way, is hysterical because you could tell they had very little budget for this movie given that they don't show her puke, she's like going blah behind the car. Or yeah, the car they, door. they hide it with the car door and they don't yeah. have anything to like put in her mouth, I guess, to like spit it up. Uh, yeah. Just a lot of sounds. 
super weird. It was just, it was also, so, so you've got the nun, the aunt nun, right? You've got two priests who are involved in the house and then yet another two priests who reprimand, reprimand the first two priests. So it was just a, a whole mess of Catholicism going on. Yeah, and I didn't. I just didn't need it. I don't think it added anything to it. I just thought it was completely unnecessary. I think it was probably just like, hey, this worked really well in The Exorcist. Let's bring some priests and Catholicism in here. So the one thing, the one thing I did write down though, I have to absolutely mention because it's so hysterically on point for 2021, or actually for the last 20 years, when those priests are getting reprimanded. Uh, the one, the main priest, I forget his name, his comeback is, hasn't that become the fashion now, the cover-up with the Catholic Church? <laughs> way to absolutely nail it 30 this, years beforehand. This movie way ahead of its time and its commentary about the Catholic Church. <laughs> this whole this whole movie was actually about child rape. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think we talk about that too much on this podcast. I don't know if you listen to the Boston Movie Hall of Fame episode, but there was a lot of that. <laughs> this, this entire series is going to get flagged by the FBI. I hope so. All right. So putting child rape aside for a moment, let's talk <laughs> about some of our stray observations from this movie. Things that we just noticed and wanted to discuss real quick, but it doesn't really fit into anything. So Zach, start us off. What do you got? All right. So this this is my biggest one. Uh, and it, this, this mostly is a shout out to my dad, who is not a boomer, but Gen X, I guess. I, I don't know what he is. Dude, eighty thousand dollars for that house. You know, do you know what eighty thousand dollars is in today's dollars? Because I did the calculation. It made me that mad. <laughs> I don't know what that is. So for that immaculate, pristine fucking mansion, all horror, you know, all all ghosts aside, eighty thousand dollars in nineteen seventy nine is the equivalent of three hundred one thousand dollars four hundred fifty one today, right? So so. Then James Brolin admits, hey, we get it. We're getting it for a discount because we know these murders happened here. This house is probably worth $120,000. Well, I did the math on that, too. <laughs> that, that equates to $452,000. Corey, $452,000 for a fucking house in the Northeast with a boat, with a dock, and a place to dock your, like a little a covered area to dock your boat. Plus it's what, a four bedroom uh, colonial house that's absolutely immaculate on what I assume is at least an acre, if not two acres of land. Get the fuck out of here, boomers. The, like Boomers love to complain that millennials don't, we're lazy and we can't afford our own homes and everything. Fuck you, your houses were dirt cheap back <laughs> in the 70s. You could afford anything. Dude, that house went on the market for eight hundred and fifty thousand like two years ago. Exactly. That that shit is easily in a, a one million dollar home. It's on a goddamn lake. Yeah, it's on a river, like a right river. next to the. I I don't know what it is, but it's like the sound in between the barrier island of Long Island and mainland Long Island. I don't know what it's called, but that's where it is, and it's like. That's a very nice piece of property. You know what they also have there? Phenomenal fucking school di school district too, I bet. <laughs> Those kids could grow up so immaculately. And in the 70s, you could afford whatever the fuck you want. You didn't have to pay for a cell phone bill either, all right? <laughs> the cell phone bill, that's what's really keeping you down. Oh, it's just, it made me laugh because, uh, you know, everybody likes to bash our generation and the younger generation. 
for having it quote unquote too easy. Like, get the fuck out of here, old people. You could buy a house for pennies on the dollar back in the day. <laughs> yes, for real. And speaking of, I feel like all of these haunted house movies are just playing on the anxieties of moving and home ownership. Yeah. Now, I've never owned a home. I've moved a lot, and moving sucks, so that holds up. And from what I know of my friends who own homes, all they ever do is complain about owning a home. Because it's a money pit, Corey. <laughs> no, and I'm glad I'm glad to talk about this with you because you own a home. It's just like every time I talk with them, they're talking about the leaves in their backyard or they're talking about the shit that just broke and they got to fix. And I'm just like, why would I ever want to own a home? I'm just going to rent, and then I could just call my landlord and be like, hey, take care of this. Exactly. You don't have to deal with a pipe that freezes because the stupid fucking contractors didn't put insulation inside your wall, so you had no way of knowing that it was going to freeze. <laughs> and then the fucking builder won't repair the, the cracked pipe because they said you're out of warranty or whatever. Fucking homeownership. Yeah, you just, you just sink money into a house. Yeah, so I feel like this movie in all these movies are just like kind of just huge warning. Like don't buy a house. It could don't. be haunted. <laughs> You're going to have to deal with all this shit that goes wrong, whether a demon is if, like responsible or not. You can't leave because ground. you can't leave because you just sunk all of your money into this place. It's just like, why, why am I owning a home? I don't understand. Someone make the case for me. Exactly. And it, you know what? If it's not haunted, they try to put up fucking fracking towers near your neighborhood. <laughs> It's just a mess. I don't understand. So That's that, that modern, was my big takeaway. The modern day horror movie, modern day Amityville horror is actually going to be about fracking towers going up near a house <laughs> and poisoning the residents. Yeah. When the fracking things go in, they release a demon from hell like <laughs> that. Not natural gas, a demon. That is what's coming out of the ground. But the oil and gas company won't do anything about it. They keep ignoring the ghost. Actually, you know what? This is a good movie. Like the the you know they they just kind of represent the oil represents the demon, and there we go. We got metaphors, we got commentary. It's kind of kind of awesome. I think we just spoke out the sequel to Fern Gully too, or <laughs> the sequel to Fern Gully. There's a Fern Gully too. Uh, there, I'm sure there is. All right, what else you got from this movie? All right, so I briefly mentioned it before. Margot Kidder, absolute babe. James Brolin, who we talked before in our prelude to this, like I had, I didn't know he was in this because I didn't look up who was in it. Me neither. So real nice surprise to see him. He has phenomenal fucking hair in this. Great hair, great beard. The combo is off-putting. The hair and the beard? The hair and the beard. He's just like got serious Neanderthal caveman vibes, which works for the character. So like I I get it. But it's definitely off-putting. It works. It works because it very aptly shows how disheveled he becomes by the end of the movie. Because his fro just keeps getting bigger and more wild yes. throughout the yes. every scene. It's just like my my wife has this phrase, and she kind of walked in while I was watching it, and she's just like, "He looks ridden hard and put away wet." And I'm like, <laughs> she says it all the time. I don't really know what it means, but I know what it means. Uh, and apt description. He was literally sweaty and just a mess towards the end of the movie. But in the beginning, his feathered locks looked phenomenal. Let's see, what else did I have? Oh, oh, um, yeah, just the poor priest going blind. Like, why is that thrown in there? What, what did that have to do with anything? 
what did anything with any of the priests have to do with anything? <laughs> I don't I don't know, but like he's screaming inside his own church and then all of a sudden he's blinded and then you don't hear from him again. Yeah, that's just the end of his story. So I just don't understand why we have this in the movie. Although I will say the scene where the demon kind of takes over the car, that was a pretty pretty dope scene. So I like that, but I could still do without any of their storyline. That was another random thought that entered my brain. Uh, yeah, I forgot, you know, cars didn't have anti-lock brakes back then, so that was a real problem. <laughs> like, you know you know what I mean? Like, he's slamming on the brake and nothing's working because you really got to feather the pedal back then. Yeah, and, like, no power steering, so the car just, like, it locks up. Like, we have, we, we have it good with the cars. They had it good with house price house prices. Yes, you know what? That That is fair. It's the trade-off. I'm, I'm far more likely to survive my demonic car possession. Yeah, my car will just control itself at a certain point, and then I don't have to worry about demonic possession. <laughs> All I have to worry about is hackers and computer viruses. That'll be the next horror movie, yeah. yeah. The demons learn, demons learn how to code. <laughs> and they take over my fucking Tesla. Oh I, don't, my I don't not have a Tesla, <laughs> to be quite clear. The other ran, a couple random things, like the... the uh, the wedding, the side, the, like the side story, them going to the wedding. Didn't Dude, understand since, that either. Since when are the demons kleptos who steal your cash? <laughs> and then this argument with the caterer, I just didn't understand. Like, you don't accept checks? What? <laughs> what? I mean, maybe, what kind of cash business? What kind of caterer only accepts cash? Like, I was gonna say maybe this is a function of the seven late seventies, early eighties that we just don't understand. But yeah, exactly. Like, what fucking caterer <laughs> did you hire? Why does he need cash so badly? I have no idea, but it seems like a dodgy business transaction. Yeah, I just I thought it was hysterical in the moment where he's like, "Fucking demon stole my cash. What am I gonna do?" <laughs> It probably just fell out of your pocket. What do you mean? I'm like, I I just don't get... I, there's a lot of side plots that I just don't understand what, what, what they were doing there. So I do have one controversial statement, although I think based on this conversation, you'll probably agree with me. Even though I didn't really like the Ryan Reynolds version, it is scarier than this because it's modern. I honestly can't say either way because it lost me so early on that I just stopped paying attention. And you, in order to be scared, you have to be invested locked in the in, trip yes. and you have to be locked in. Cause you have to just like notice things and they have to build and so on. And like, honestly, that movie was so bad to me that I stopped paying attention after like half an hour. And I was just like, fuck this. That's that's fair. Actually, perfect example. The conjuring, even though I actually really like the conjuring, um, that movie probably should have been a 10 out of 10 for scare factor for me. But because Natalie and I were talking through it for a good chunk, it was like an eight out of 10 instead, which quite frankly, helped me go to sleep better that night. <laughs> but yeah, when you're not like when you're not fully invested in a horror or you're kind of cracking jokes through it or just like not totally paying attention, even the best horror movies not going to scare you as much. And that's actually why horror in the theaters is so good because there you are locked in. It's an immersive experience. And I think the collective anxiety of the whole group that mm -hmm. you're seeing it with, like that kind of transfers and emits like that energy and anxiety in the theater amplifies the kind of fear. So 
horror movies are always a great group activity if you're locked in if it's like more of just a hang session then it's not going to work but like if you're right. locked in you feel the collective anxiety more and it really works and that's like that's how i watched the conjuring the first time and one of the scariest experiences i've ever had it's dude that one i i'm a re, i'm a real sucker for like the like the fucked up looking almost zombified ghost or person just that look in general creeps me out like that decaying face so when, yeah that, when that is on top of the dresser armoire oh, thing yeah. scariest scariest moment i've ever seen put on film what was the one that we're getting off amityville but um what was the one where the demon had like a red like almost darth maul face oh it insidious what's insidious yes where, same where, director where, james wan where he appears behind her head yes. or her, yeah that scared the fuck out of me the first time i saw it yep sure did did not like that at all <laughs> No, I mean, we are getting off Amityville, but we're not because these movies all owe a tremendous debt to the Amityville horror as a movie. So, like, you know, it, it definitely fits, I think. And, you know, with that, I kind of just want to close up by saying, while I'm probably not going to revisit this movie particularly often or maybe even ever again, I'm very, very glad that I did get around to watching it because I feel like I have a greater understanding and appreciation for these horror, modern horror movies that I love so much now. Similar vein, but not the same sentiment entirely. I agree. I probably won't watch this movie again. However, I actually am far more uh, intrigued or far more likely to go pers- or to go seek out a James Brolin movie or a Margot Kidder movie. Because I haven't seen, uh, like admittedly, haven't seen many movies with them as lead characters other than Superman, obviously. Um, yeah, huge but- movie. Yeah, but actually, James Brolin's the bigger one. Like, I want to go watch the original Westworld now because I started looking at his history. I haven't seen much of any. Like, I've seen Traffic, I think, but I I don't count that as his classic. So I want to go pursue their back catalogs because I saw this because they're both really good in this movie. Agreed. They are both very talented actors, and I also have not seen them in much outside of, like, the most prominent, popular things. It's it's a weird thing because, like, When you watch old cinema, you just watch kind of like the quote-unquote classics. Right. You never just dig into the random, you know, B-picture project. Whereas, like, with Tom Cruise, like, I've seen every Tom Cruise movie now. Admittedly, because I put myself on a mission during quarantine to watch every Tom Cruise movie. Was it an impossible mission? Oh, it was the (laughs) worst mission I've ever bet on because there are a lot of bad movies in his catalog. I'm trying to think, what has he been in that's terrible that I wouldn't think of? The Mummy. His oh, I never saw that. You're right. so fucking bad. Um, oh, my God. I forgot about that. And then his early 80s stuff, like, there's this movie called Endless Love, and then another one called Losing It. Losing It is like right. Porky's before Porky's, and it is just not good at all. <laughs> that, uh, actually, another controversial statement I don't think cocktail is that good. I hate cocktail. I think it's a very bad movie. Yeah, I I, uh, I watched that recently and I thought it was very just average. Um, and, I, and I know people like it because it is bad. It's like one of those kind of good bad movies, but I don't even find it good bad. I just find it bad bad. Yeah, I didn't I didn't love it. Um, last thing, uh, because college era Zach would be furious if I didn't at least mention this briefly, uh, was not expecting Margot Kidder topless at all. 
So that was a nice surprise. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We got to close the podcast now. Uh, no, I mean, all I have to say, Margot Kidder and Pigtails, yeah, very, very attractive. See, I gotta go. I gotta go watch it now. And look, to be to be fair to both genders, you know, if James Brolin had shown some dick, I would have been excited too. You know. Well, he kind of did when he was rocking those tidy whiteies, <laughs> and he was just popping a chub at the at the camera. I was like, damn, what are you that doing, the, guy? That was the real horror here. <laughs> All right, so that about wraps us up in the Wait You Haven't Seen film or podcast series that we are kind of doing here. We are going to return with more of these. Some will involve Zach, some will not, but we will be doing more of these. And they're a lot of fun to do because I feel like a lot of these I just wouldn't watch otherwise. I'm just like, yeah, they exist. That's fine. I got other things to do, but like they force me to kind of dig into these quote-unquote classic movies. I agree. I probably never would have watched this movie without this incentive, and I'm glad I did. Um, definitely worth checking out. You're not going to be, like anybody who hasn't seen it, you're not going to be overly scared by this, especially if you've seen any modern horror movie you know, from the last 30 years, but uh, still worth checking out for sure. Yeah, and if you're a horror fan, like watching a movie like this that was so kind of important and influential is a very interesting experience just in a different way. So like, you're going to enjoy it if you're a horror fan. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. All right. So we're going to get out of here. You can follow us on Instagram at back porch media on Twitter at Porchback media. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, all of that stuff. Rate and review us. If you feel like it, Zach, it was a pleasure having you on again. I'm looking forward to bond. When are you, when are you planning to go see bond? Actually, uh, parents get back from Florida tomorrow. I'm hoping to use them as babysitters on Wednesday and go see it then. I cannot wait for that movie. I'm so I, I saw the reviews haven't been phenomenal, but I still can't wait. Oh, I can't wait either. I mean, I'm really pumped to go see it. I'm also planning to go see it Wednesday. This past weekend was crazy, so I couldn't get to the theater. Um, but really excited to do that and then talk about the whole bond catalog with you, man. Really, oh, really yeah. pumped. Got, I'm solidifying my ranking. So, you know, my Mount Rushmore, my, our bottom ones will probably be similar. Cause it's pretty easy to, to rate the worst ones, but uh, that, middle, day. <laughs> that middle ground will be fun to talk about. And I think we have a couple where we're pretty wildly different on. So it'll be a good conversation. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it too. So, you know, check back in with us to listen to our bond episode when we get to it. And yeah, see y'all. See ya.